Happy Election Day, or by the time you are hearing this, day after Election Day, and welcome to A Plan for That. My name is Vince. I'm a recovering journalist out here in the Rocky Mountain West. And on this show, we are building towards a progressive future no matter who won last night or who we're going to decide won in the coming days, whatever the case might be. I'm joined, as always, this week and every week by Aaron. Aaron, how are you feeling today? Hey, Vince. I'm Aaron. A recently activated lightning bolt of energy that demands progressive change. I won't back down. I'm bringing the crowd. And I have a message for you guys. The election will end when every vote is counted. Every single vote. Count them all. They all matter. Every single ballot cast counts. The Republican ones, the Democratic ones, even those nefarious third-party ones, every single one needs to be counted before we know how this election ended. Amen. So here we are. It's 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 election day while we're recording this uh, to peel back the curtain a little bit. It is 3.30 in the afternoon here in Denver where I am, 4.30 somewhere out there in the Midwest where Aaron allegedly is. Um, polls are starting to think about closing in some uh, eastern states, but we honestly have no idea really what's going on at this point. We're just managing our nerves and playing to the clock like the good progressive planners we are. Aaron, what's been keeping you busy today? So I have been texting voters all around the country literally every single second of today. Um, You can ask my husband. (laughs) He's been like, are you going to eat? Would you like liquids to drink? (laughs) So um, (laughs) what I can tell you guys, Vince, listeners, friends, countrymen (laughs) around the world, is that the states that went for Trump in 2016 are not going that way. So I think everyone needs to feel fired up, ready to go, ready to take this home. I am fired up. I am ready to go. I woke up this morning at about 4 a.m. and that's like without the time change. I'm just, I was just up early immediately ready to go by six o'clock in the morning i had already walked my way into my office um i was i'm grateful that i spent most of my day coordinating live streams and 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 and, uh internet shows across the country so i was really able to, to to stay involved in what was going on politically but i didn't have to think too much about it because i had to concentrate on what i was doing um i'm realizing now in this moment that for the first time today i'm really starting to contemplate uh what's going to happen in in a couple of hours and um uh, Aaron, what's what, I'm sure you've been getting texts from friends, not just voters all day. What's what's the mood like where you are? Are you starting to are you starting to to feel confident? Are you starting to feel concerned? What's what's going through your heart? I am very happy. I think that we're going to get a very different answer to the nightmare that 2016 was. Um, and I've also seen some split tickets, which is really interesting. I was mentioning to Vince um, off the mic that some people are still voting for Trump. Um, not a lot. Don't don't freak out. Uh, but they're also voting for Democrats. So that is an interesting little thing that you're seeing in some of the rural areas of Pennsylvania. So I think that the Congress has some really important seats that are going to flip. And we already talked about this in previous episodes, but it bears repeating that we have a chance to flip the entire Pennsylvania legislation. Woo! 
the former Pennsylvanian in me is just over the moon to hear that. And um, yes, I'm talking to you, 814 kids in, in Pennsylvania. Um, that is a, the home of that alleged nefarious Obama Trump voter. I, I, I knew I knew dozens of them when I was still there, and and I've deleted many more off of my Facebook since I have left. But I I am counting on Pennsylvania to do the right thing this time around. Um, I've also been able to keep myself busy uh, following Justin Streckel, our guest's last week's advice, and um, trying to make a difference in Arizona. I've been I've been helping out making phone calls down there um, with 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 Arizona Normal to to help pass their their cannabis bill and and legalize cannabis in that state that sorely absolutely needs it because they do use the overcriminalization of this silly little plant uh, quite wickedly. Um, I was feeling good today. Uh, uh, I'm not confident because I'm, I'm not sure what's, I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen and I don't want to think about what's going to happen, but I was feeling good. I, I was feeling like everybody was playing to the clock. I feel like, um, you know, I've been hearing from a plan for that, uh, listeners for the last couple of weeks about both the advice on our show and also offering up how, how they're staying involved. And, and, and I, I'm hearing coast to coast that everybody's doing the work that everybody's putting it in. And, um, you know, I grew up a hockey player when, when everybody on your team is doing their job, you, you kind of expect to win, although you don't really count on it. Um, that said, I'm starting to feel nervous going through the day, um, hearing about concerns about how the, the people are going to react, whichever way the vote count goes, and, and who's hiding in their house, and, and and legitimate concerns about unrest in the country. Um, Aaron, from when you from where you're sitting, from where you're making your texts and calls, are are, are you starting to hear concerns about unrest? I have had a couple of texts like that. And honestly, I couldn't thank you for the opening that you just gave me more because I was shocked, appalled, and really amazed at the behavior that happened to the Biden campaign um, in Texas. And if y'all didn't already hear about it, there were Trump supporters that literally tried to use their vehicles as um, weapons to drive the bus off the road. Um, They later were able to track who this person was that was driving the trucks into cars. And on that person's social media world, um, he was targeting Kamala Harris. He was trying to locate her. He was trying to figure out if she was, in fact, on that bus. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, and especially FBI, that is domestic terrorism. I am sick and tired of hearing the ridiculous browbeating drumbeat of Antifa, 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 when really, Vince, there hasn't been any arrests that I have been reading about Antifa, and they've all been white supremacists. In fact, it seems like they could be coordinating their white supremacist activities. What do you think? Um, you know, as a as a card carrying member of um, Antifa, (laughs) there are no cards. There's no membership either. Everybody anarchists don't really work that way. Um, And everybody should be an anti-fascist. Yeah, I I would say that um, it's absolutely disconcerting to see legitimate domestic terrorists like this um, refuse to be acknowledged by uh, generally right wing peace officers and police officers and law enforcement. Um, I, I, there's no small wonder and one doesn't really have to walk that far to reach any conclusions about why they aren't persecuted, over-prosecuted, and over-criminalized the way that peaceful left-wing activists are. Things have escalated in a very scary way. I agree with you, Vince, and I, I just really want 
this next administration, and I, and I know they will because we are the law and order party, thank you very much. Um, we're for equal justice and correct law. Um, and just to kind of revisit this gentleman who used his vehicle as a attempted manslaughter weapon, um, he also has videos and pictures on his social media world of he and the police. In fact, the police that would have been responsible for holding him accountable for his criminal behavior, um, eating at his restaurant, having free catering, that kind of thing. Um, we're we're going to need to do what Elizabeth Warren has been beating the drum about since I very first heard about her. We're going to need anti-corruption now. And we're going to need to hold people accountable wherever they sit, our legislators, our elected officials, and criminals. The mood that I've been hearing from a lot of people after after this Trump train video emerged has, has definitely a lot of... It, it, it's rocketed. It's gone a little bit sideways. Um, people who are, who have never been particularly emergency preparedness folks or 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 Second Amendment uh, uh, touters have been have been contacting me recently about how to get into the gun ranges and and how do they how do they start preparing for what happens if the world actually explodes and 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 the far right comes screaming out of their hiding holes and and they're ready to either defend uh, the claim of false victory or 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 declare that um that the legitimate uh, election of of Biden Harris is somehow illegitimate um it's it's gotten a lot of people scared and 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 I don't think that that's necessarily a wrong thing because ever since Heather Heyer died in Charlottesville and countless many 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 other people before that um we have seen what the far right is willing to do if we allow them to come out into the sunlight uh and if we allow to compare peaceful left-wing uh protesters to these angry hate-filled violent agitators on the right um, it's, 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 it, I, I think that it's important to be prepared and to be a little bit worried and a little bit concerned again, uh, by the time people are listening to this on Wednesday, we'll know what have had happened on Tuesday night. Um, but you know, I am, I, I've ordered my pizza for the day. I, I am ready to, to stay inside my home tonight and probably all of tomorrow and, uh, and just continue to watch results come in and hope for the best. I hear you, Vince, and I just want to make sure that we get the word out. Um, first of all, we on the left slash center, i.e. Democratic voters and progressive voters, have not threatened to hit the streets with weaponry and declaring open war. And I just really want the people who may be listening to the show that don't hit in the Democratic um, area potentially independent listeners, I really want you to know that the claims of law and order on the right are at this point a joke because they are trying to stoke civil war and hit the streets with weaponry and target people and send bombs to leaders. Like, that is not law and order, okay? So, no matter where you fall in the spectrum, I think we can all agree that the election needs to be legitimate. The votes must all be counted. And no matter what the outcome of the election is, no one is to hit the streets with weaponry and declare war on their fellow citizens. I think that that is a wonderful place to pivot off to our break and then welcome on 
a guest who will definitely help us build a more round and more sound plan for that moving forward tomorrow, no matter what. Absolutely. He's got some great ideas. And let me tell you, it doesn't include being bipartisan, huggy, kissy with people who are threatening to end our lives. The 2020 election will be different from elections in the past. And our Latino community is wondering, when will we know the results? Will my vote be counted? Yes, your vote will be counted, but it will take some time for election officials to accurately count and report every vote, even beyond election day. So be patient and know that your voice will be heard. Visit AdelanteUnidos.com to get started. Today, our guest is Ryan Nelson Kane, who is a former Republican activist who turned a progressive Democrat. He supported Elizabeth Warren in the primary and is actively working to push Democratic goals through the means of the ruthlessness that has been taught in Republican politics. He studied history at the University of Minnesota and currently works in construction while coaching speech and debate in Minnesota. His writings on democratic strategy and progressive policy, as well as a variety of other topics, can be found on his Medium account and on his personal Twitter at Sweet King Music. Ryan, we are super excited to have you here today. Really, really excited to be here. It, feel, it feels it feels especially good to have somebody who, who calls himself a former Republican activist and also a progressive now and has skipped that libertarian middle step that I feel like most Republicans have on their way over here to the left. Uh, I got to correct you on that, Vince. I'm sorry. I, di- I didn't skip it. Uh, in, 20, in 2018, I was a member of the Libertarian Party. Uh, I, I went to meetings. I, I tried to get libertarians elected to the Minneapolis City Council. It's not my I did not skip the face. I won't. I won't pretend that I did. Oh, that makes me even happier because now we have an honest progressive on our side too, which I I love. Welcome to a plan for that, Ryan. <laughs> and that actually keys into my very first question for you, which was describe your journey because it it's got some turns. Yeah. So I was I was raised Republican, and my dad would kill me if you heard me say that. But my dad was a very conservative man. My my mom's a pastor. I, I grew up evangelical Christian. Um, so it naturally that comes with a more conservative worldview. Um, in addition to that, my parents are, are uneducated white people and demographically that puts us right in the, in the hot zone for, for conservative Republican viewpoints. Um, I grew up in conservative areas and, uh, you know, that a lot of my friends were conservative growing up. The, the place where I graduated high school is right in the heart of Minnesota sixth district, which is the reddest district in the state. Um, so it's, I mean, it, I, I grew up Republican. Uh, I was on the teenage board on the on the state board for Minnesota Teenage Republicans. Uh, I was the. <laughs> we didn't have Young Americans for Freedom, but I would have been the. Uh, uh, I would have been the chapter president at my high school. I was voted most likely to be president because I was that kid in high school. <laughs> uh, I lost a lot of friends over it. Um, in uh, in 2016, I was the precinct treasurer um, for Senate District 38A in uh, in Circle Pines, Minnesota. And uh, I stepped down after Donald Trump won the nomination. I told uh, everybody that would listen to me, including the precinct president who is now running for state office here, a friend of mine, uh, Donald Raleigh for 38A. Uh, I told him, look, this guy's a cancer on the party. I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, I think that if we, if we nominate this guy, we're going to destroy the party even if we win and we're going to regret this. And 
he said, I, I don't agree. I think we have to support the nominee. And we went our separate ways. Um, my my dad and I need to argue about it. I wish to more about uh, and how much preparation and and that was really my gateway into more more left-leaning politics but really you know i was i was in party after a republican party because it, it, i couldn't commit to the democrat thing yet uh, I, I wasn't ready yet um and I, I i started to move left and and i went back to college and i took some philosophy courses and i was arguing arguing with people in philosophy courses and, and, and history courses and talking about the founding of the country. And I had a professor that asked me a question that, that really shook my worldview. He said, what do you think the purpose of government is? And why do we have a government? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't answer it. I didn't have an answer to the question. And I got really upset. And frankly, I got a little scared um, because it, it really it, it shook everything that I believed because I, I just didn't know. I didn't have an answer. And I started asking people around me that question. Other libertarians, I went back to my dad and my parents and I started asking conservatives, like, what, what's the purpose of this? Why do we have a government if we don't want it to do anything? <laughs> and the, and the, the question never got an answer. And it's the leading question that I have with every conservative and libertarian that I talk to to this day. What do you believe the purpose of government is? And, and I found my answer in what I think would be an unlikely spot for someone who thought that he was a constitutional Republican, I, I went back and I looked at the founding documents and the founding philosophies of the country. And the number one influence on the founders for this country was John Locke. Uh, it, it, the Lockean philosophy was what prompted a lot of the, the phrasing and writings, and they took whole cloth phrases from his philosophy paper, papers and put it into our founding documents. And the purpose of government, according to John Locke, was that in a democratic society, the purpose of government is to defend the rights of those who couldn't defend themselves if government didn't exist. And when you start looking at it that way, when you start looking at it as, as, as the purpose of government is to defend rights, you start to think that maybe the problem that the founders had wasn't big government, it was power and power pooling in places that was unchecked by those who couldn't defend their own rights. So the people who can't defend their own rights, the average citizen who can't defend themselves from power has to form their own power. So we have a government, we have government of uh, the, the consent of the governed, and we send representatives into government to, to protect us, to protect us from those who are bigger than us, who don't necessarily need government, but government exists for them too. You know, the, the, the same way that you, you, someone would go to jail for uh, stealing from Jeff Bezos, and, and, and I'm not a big incarceration guy, but that's the system we have. The same system that protects Jeff Bezos and his property is the same system that should protect my property. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's the same system that should protect my rights as a free citizen, my right to vote and, and every citizen's right to vote. Uh, so that that's really my journey. Uh, it, it was it's it brought me to a progressive place. And, and, and I should say the last thing that really brought me there, because I felt kind of politically homeless, was that that first huge rally that Elizabeth Warren had in uh, in, many, in St. Paul at McAllister College, I was there. And I was there and I saw former kids that I'd coached that were there, that were only there because they heard me talk about how much I liked her message and wanted to hear her speak. And suddenly I'm standing there with the next generation of progressive fighters, not even realizing that I'm a progressive myself, not applying that label to myself. Uh, and, and, and hearing 
her speak and seeing how they reacted and seeing and feeling how I felt uh, about government in that in that moment, it, it really it was a it was the full realization that progressive to me isn't what Glenn Beck always said it was to me. It's not some boogeyman. It's not this this the the misunderstood the you know the the, the angry you know children of, of the American left you know that, that's that's whatever it is that conservative media and the conservative framing of this country has made it to be is not what it is and I realized that listening to Elizabeth Warren speak and seeing how my kids reacted to her you're in such good company Vince I know you're dying to get in here <laughs> it's, it, it's uh, a I I have to say um I'm, I'm so wildly inspired hearing every word that you just said um, just because it's it, that's that's the fight that um, that that I dedicated my life to, to a lifetime ago is once you look at it once you look at politics through a common sense lens and a, and a shared experience lens, kind of landing in a progressive position is is really the only non selfish place that I that I, I, I find like people who who care about anybody other than themselves can possibly land um, and and and. I, I took a similar uh, journey from the anarchist left to the Democratic Party uh, uh, into, and, and found my home through Team Warren uh, after Obama kind of laid the path for me uh, and kind of taught me a little bit about progressive populism. Uh, Elizabeth really did bring, bring me a home and, and offer me a little bit of a um, here you can you can have these. Everybody should be cared for. Everybody should be taken care of. And that is the, the basic service and structure of, of this giant government thing that we've spent the last 250 years building in this country. I mean, we have the oldest government in modern history around the globe. It should absolutely be put into use for the, uh, for the common citizen, not just, um, you know, 1% is, is a scary term still these days, but not just the upper 1%. Everybody should be afforded the, uh, the beauty of this country. Absolutely right, guys. And I have liked Elizabeth Warren since her 2008 days working with the Obama administration to save our country from disaster of the Republican economic uh, fallout. Um, shout out to all Democratic presidents. Please, listeners, let's remember that every time the economy tanked, it was the Democrats that got us back up. So <laughs> um, I, I liked her from the beginning, but when she really got me, if I'm honest with you guys, is when she was the first person to hit the streets against the Muslim ban. She was at the airports screaming with us, chanting with us, trying to stop the unbelievable evil that was starting to get a foothold in the country. And uh, she just won me, heart and soul. Um, I will fight with her. I will stand by her side. And if she doesn't run again, which probably is the case, I will look for someone who walks in her footsteps. Because um, even even though we all come from different directions, look at how we agree on what it is that we're all trying to fight for. I think it's pretty beautiful. And listeners, during the break... I actually said something that Ryan and I were kind of chuckling at, which is Elizabeth Warren and the progressive side of the Democratic wing is going to actually deliver the lies that Donald Trump said about his populist platform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, in reality, like, like the Republicans had no plan to get this stuff done. <laughs> they, they just they said it because it's popular and they knew it was popular because they've been railing against it for you know, 30 years. 
this stuff is popular and they know it they're not dumb they're just evil you know their their plan is coming next week ryan that's what they that's what they keep the week after election they were, were going to get their plan for health care the week after election we're going to get their plan for this because yeah they, they they definitely know all of the buzzwords and and what i'm really hoping that elizabeth can 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 keep going in whatever her role is in the new administration and what we all need to keep going for the next four years and what we need to find in our next candidate um whether i mean Let's all hope that it's not Joe Biden. Let's like, I mean, let's let, let's get Joe in the White House for the next four years, and let's get him out of the White House after that. Um, I, I, we need somebody who is going to inspire the kind of engagement that we've seen for the last four years to be able to continue. We need to like the people in the streets, the people making phone calls. It, I, I've been in politics a long time, and it has never looked like this before. Um, Ryan, do you do you do you think it's going to be possible? post-Trump, post that kind of a boogeyman to keep this this many people engaged and, and ready to go to push for progressive policy? Uh, look, I, I think it's more than possible. I think that it's necessary. I think that it's, it requires a level of effort that, you know, it, it's, it's going to take a sustained effort and a lot of us are going to be really tired. And it's, but the, the point is, is that it's not going to end. The, that the fight doesn't end on November 3rd. The fight doesn't end on January 21st. The, the fight doesn't end that's the thing about about building a more perfect union right is that the idea is that the fight doesn't end it will never end there will always be places that we can improve always you know places that we need to build better the 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 fact that we're still talking about whether or not someone who has been out of prison and has you know still has a felon a felon tag on them can't vote is is something that on election day we should be talking about every year until it's fixed we should be talking about it the day after election day and the day after that and the day after that because until everybody in this country can vote, we're not where we need to be. Until every vote counts the same, until the electoral college is gone, it's not gonna. It's, it's not where we need to be. Until we have an education system that is equitable and an education system that is equally funded across every city and state in this nation, it's not where we need to be. There's a million different places that we need to improve, and simply getting Donald Trump out of office isn't enough to do it. Until every, you know, the, the, I could I could go on and on about it. I really really could. I know we only have a half hour, and I'm going to really try not to grandstand about you know singular issues. Grandstand, I love, I love it. I love it. The one thing that I want to get across is this: is that the the number one thing, the number one critique I've had of Democratic politics since I became a Democrat, is that they don't have the guts for the fight 100% of the time. We cede way too much ground. We cede way too many battles because they're hard fights because they're not worth the investment. Look, we know that Republicans agree with us on a lot of issues. We know that when we put it, when we can phrase something a certain way, when we can organize things the right way, we can bring Republicans with us because Republican voters are a lot different than Republican leaders. And the average Republican voter has every single incentive to follow our lead on these populist issues. We just have to organize them. We just have to fight them. And we, we should spend the next two years and the next four years and the next you know, eight years, however long it takes to break the Republican Party by organizing in all of their strongholds, by so spending the time, spending the money, spending the resources to fight every fight, not just fight the fights that we think we can win, not just fight in Florida. The, 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 best, the best example of this is the fight to win Texas this year, right? Texas has gone red every single year since 1972 every single year but the number one push from democrats this year has been we need to flip georgia and we need to flip texas because without that the republicans don't have a path that needs to be the mentality going forward 
We can't seed any fight. We can't go to sleep in any battle. There can be absolutely no room for people like you know, Steve King and Tom Emmer. There can be no room for people like Jason Lewis to potentially win a Senate seat in Minnesota. There's no room for it. And the only way that we ensure that there's zero room for something like that is by fighting every single fight tooth and nail, blood and teeth, making sure that there's absolutely no way that they can come back. We put the nail in the coffin, election after election after election, year after year after year after year, and we do that with constant and, and ruthless organization. I am so with you right now, and I know Vince is going to echo this. Um, Ryan, what are you running for? Seriously, you need to run. <laughs> I was about to say, Nancy Pelosi, you better be listening because this is the next generation of Democrats that's coming for your job. Remember how you're going to use every tool, every tool at your disposal to stop that ACB confirm confirmation? Uh, you rolled over and we all saw it. And we're really, really, really tired of watching the left leaders roll over in fights. I couldn't agree more. We need to be ready to win. We need to be ready to do the work. And we need to be ready to have difficult conversations at every level of politics from our kitchen tables all the way up to our courtrooms, all the way up to our state houses and beyond. Absolutely right. There's good ways to do this too, right? So, so one of the things that we can start to do is to make politics a part of comfortable everyday life. People won't like it at first. They, they, there's a lot of people who find discomfort in politics because they don't like the confrontation, but it doesn't have to be confrontation. It doesn't have to be conflict. You know, it, it, it can just be something like saying, you know, I wish the government would do something about that. You know, I, I really wish that somebody would pass a bill that says that we could do something about that. You know, I, I really don't like that, that, you know, this traffic signal is, is in this part of town. Great. Let's, let's go to the city council and let's have a conversation about that. That's politics. That's politics at the lowest form of politics. It's easy. It's, it's the, the 101 course. It's something that we can, we can get people comfortable talking about. Because if you're comfortable talking about traffic lights, chances are eventually we can get comfortable talking about Medicare for all. We can get comfortable talking about universal suffrage. It's the end of the line. And I think too often Democrats especially look at the end of the line issues as the only issues. And, and part of organizing everywhere means we need to organize everywhere. Family, friends, people in the community, your neighbors. We need to talk to people and be comfortable talking to people. We can't do this thing where we only go out once every four years, once every two years. We need to fight these battles in the off years. We need to stay organizing and stay connected in the years where there is no election. Stay friends with the people that you that you organize. You know, find get-togethers, find reasons to get together, have dinner with people, have have people over for a for a, a book reading. You're all reading the same book. Let's let's read Ibram X. Kendi this month. I love it. I mean, it's 100%. Stay engaged, stay involved with everybody. Um, the way that I did it post uh, post 2018 election, when I when I started to meet a lot of the organizers here in Denver after I left journalism and when I was starting to get into politics, was I would literally host a weekly family dinner in my backyard. Um, the week before, we would pick the the, the country of origin. Um, I would be responsible for a large shareable main dish. Everybody else was asked to bring something that worked as a side dish, uh, and we sent a text message out through an organizing app to about 200 people. People every week and it was just people we had met through politic and said hey come over to our backyard tonight have dinner and and without fail 30 to 40 people would show up every week and it was i i, I we would be doomed if everybody showed up but nobody ever did and 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 it was always just super fun to 
to see people who we would never really see in such a personal setting. Um, and, and from that, my, my passion project was born. Uh, and because everybody needs a, a, an easy, approachable political issue to talk about it in situations like these, mine is bike lanes. Um, some people really hate bikes. Some people really love bikes. Uh, but everybody has an opinion on it, and nobody's really going to get into a fist fight about <laughs> it. Uh, but it does immediately come back to your city council person, your mayor. It, it, it's a conversation that is going to talk about local politics eventually a couple of lines in no matter who you're talking to about it and so it's it's a it's a good litmus test to test uh to to try and have that political conversation with somebody in your life find those easy approachable issues before you go to the big ones like abortion gun control i'm really glad that you brought up abortion vince because i want to tell you a little story and it goes along (laughs) with what ryan was just saying about choosing your words and choosing how to frame something So I've been texting voters, as you all know, in nine different campaigns for months on end now. (laughs) And um, one of the responses I got was, no, she kills babies. I kid you not. That was the reply. No, I won't vote for her. She kills babies. And because it's so late in the game and because what is the campaign going to do? Going to fire me? I decided (laughs) to say something to that. Um, And honestly, it was respectful. So I don't think it was wrong. And what I said was this, no, ma'am, she is not for killing babies. And either is any Democratic leader that says they're pro-choice for killing babies. What these people are for is for doctors and mothers to bring healthy children into their lives as long as that is something that is possible. They are not taking abortion or or removing their child lightly, and it's not something that is uh, taken for granted. And I said I would really recommend that you talk to mothers such as myself who risked their own lives caring to term a, a child that had not made it, that was an actually deceased fetus and needed to be aborted. So... There's, there's ways to put things, because after I said that, she said, oh, well, those things are just a matter of health. So what you're saying makes perfect sense. And yeah, I do want to vote for that. I don't think the government should say that mothers should put their lives at risk. And so there you go. It, it was an ugly I, conversation. Honestly, honestly shocked. Yeah, it was an <laughs> ugly conversation starter that ended in a beautiful way. You know, um, here in Colorado, the, the, the local one that I've been fighting on is no on 115 and the abortion ban. They are, they are trying to ban abortion here uh, again uh, in this state. And Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973, 15 years before I was born. And now that I am 32, I cannot believe that I am still fighting for, uh, for women's bodily autonomy and for abortion rights um, because conservatives by nature are incredibly good at keeping us dogtailed into the exact same fight year after year after year because they're not looking for anything new. They're looking to keep things the way they are. So it's easy to to keep us bogged down um, in the fight. So I want to imagine here that, that we're listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, we don't know the election results most likely yet, but but there is going to be a world soon where Biden and Harris are our president. Um, we're going to have honest conversations about rebalancing and expanding the Supreme Court, uh, addressing the, the politicization of the judicial system. Remember, there are 13 judicial districts, only nine judges. The reason we are nine and the reason we got to nine is because there were nine judicial districts at one point. Uh, we should add four more judges just, uh, you know, 
for the sake of, of precedence, um, we'll have those hard conversations about rebalancing the courts, and we're going to be able to finally focus on maybe, maybe new fights. Um, and, and so I wanted to take a minute with you, Ryan, just to imagine a world where we were actually allowed to, to look beyond these same fights over gun control, abortion, et cetera, et cetera, and into something new. Where, where do you, would you love to see the progressive agenda go, especially as somebody who's, who's new to this side of the battle? Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a lot of different places that we could go. Uh, I just want to touch on one thing real quick before we move on from the judiciary stuff. I think one of the places that we that that we have failed as as Democrats as a party is to it's, is to call that the end is to call a, a court win the end of the fight. Uh, Roe v. Wade, the fact that that's still the standard and we don't have state and or federal laws protecting reproductive rights. Um, to, to back that, that decision up in law is a failure. It, it's a failure. And, it, and it's as much a failure on the Democrats as it is on, on, on everything else. The, the fact that, that we just say, okay, well, a burger fell of Hodges gets decided gay marriage is legal. No, that needs to be codified in law. We need to start winning fights and putting the nail in the coffin so we can move on. And where I'd like to move is somewhere like climate change. We can start actually having good climate policy in a government that's not discussing the same seven issues every single year. You know, we can we can start talking about things like forgiving student loan debt and, and economic equality uh, when we're not discussing gun control. And look, I'm a gun guy. I like guns. I, I own a gun. There's, there's a lot of things to like about them, even just as, as a recreational person. Like, I like going to the range my brother and shooting. My brother's a libertarian. It's fun to go shoot. Do we think that there should be people, criminals out there with guns, domestic abusers? No. But the only reason that they still do is because Republicans want the fight. They want the issue. That's all they want. So when we're talking about places that we want to move, we want to move places where they don't have any kind of talk about the fight. Right? We want to move to popular issues. We want to move to climate change. We want to move to student issues. We want to move to student rights. You know, the, the, the protections for students and workers. The government should start working like a, a, a you know, giant labor American worker. We can protect workers and consumers from giant corporations. The, the big issue that I think about is this, and this is, this is gonna get into kind of an issue that, that, you know, we talk about a lot as far as, you know, not just, not just with systemic racism, but also with economic equality. I look at South Minneapolis, right? My, one of my best friends lives on Lake Street. And, and he lives not 20 minutes away from where George Floyd was killed. Um, it, this, and I'm right now where I'm sitting in this car is 15 minutes from where George Floyd was killed. I am five minutes from the outer ring of the protests. This is still a hot issue, right? And one of the major things that that came out of that was talking about Target and how Target burned and AutoZone burned and all these stores burned down here. And they said, well, they're destroying their community. Part of the fight that we need to have is talking about what makes a community and what makes a government. You, you look at, at what's going on in these areas and you look at the economic issues in these areas, there's no economic opportunity because corporations come in and they take it all. That's right. That's Target right. provides jobs, but they don't provide, they don't provide competitive jobs. They're providing $12 an hour jobs with, with not great benefits that don't provide any economic opportunity for advancement in areas where, where mostly white landlords own all the houses. So, so you know, the, the, those tax dollars, that income is moving out of, moving out of the city. People aren't, who live in the city aren't making money 
to grow in the city. The opportunity isn't there. And that's because the government doesn't protect them. That's an issue that we need to fight. We need to have economic safe havens for development in those areas. We need to have economic protections against corporations and for workers. We need to make sure that everyone is paid a livable wage, and that means more than $15 an hour in a lot of cases. We need to make sure that everybody gets the same health care benefits with Medicare for All. We need to make sure that, that, that those people are protected. That's the duty and the purpose of government. So the, the, all of these issues being interconnected, I think, is the number one challenge that we face in fighting these fights is because people want to have these these one-off single issues where one solution can fix everything. And and we don't. We have we have a, a giant ball of cords. And if you've worked in tech at all, you know what a giant ball of cords looks like. And it takes a long time to unravel and you've got to separate everything out and then reorganize it. That's what we need what we mean by big structural change. Everything's got to get pulled apart, examined, see what it is and then put back where it needs to go because nothing is where it needs to be right now. That's the next fight. We need to reorganize. I hear you. And if if I could say what my favorite part of that is and where I see a lot of, dare I say the words, trickle down benefits, <laughs> is in getting rid of this corporate power. Like it just, what you spoke to, Ryan, um, a lot of times the the fight that we have with quote unquote Republicans, and I'm going to shout out to Sheldon Whitehouse here, is actually not with Republican voters. The fight is with the Federalist and the Heritage Foundation and the Coke machine. Um, it's with money. It's with dark, controlling money. Yeah, you, and you're absolutely right. And this is kind of what I was talking about before. When I re-examined my entire political philosophy, this is the the thing that I came back to. Right, the founders didn't fear government. They didn't fear government control. They felt they feared power, and they feared power pooling in too many places where it went unchecked. And money is one of those places. Money is one of those things that we can use as a society because the government is the one that creates the currency to start to regulate where power is and where power flows. That means we could do things like have a universal basic income. That means we could do things like set a minimum wage and pass a federal jobs guarantee. We could have you know, better infrastructure and more opportunities for people to create and build more wealth for themselves so that we can start to create more wealth downstream. Wealth doesn't trickle from the top. The people at the top don't create the wealth. The wealth is created and it flows to the top because it is created, made to flow to the top. We need to build a better system that allows that allows money to be interjected at all levels. We need to create a flow from government to the market that allows the, the everybody the opportunity to grow and to become wealthy in this country. I am fired up. I am ready to build that system with you, Ryan. Like, um, like Aaron said earlier, uh, when you are ready to run for something, God, give us a call. Give me a call, and I am. We 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 will get you. We will get you into office for now, for sure. Uh, the next time that I'm unable to do a show, please come on and, and guest co-host with Aaron, because my God, you are saying all of the right words right now. Um, we were talking uh, in the first half of the show about the existential crisis of election day and having to record a show not knowing what's coming and, and, and being able to, to talk to the future while also dreading the future. And right now hearing you talk, I feel fired up, I feel ready to go, and I actually feel a little bit hopeful for uh, whatever the hell kind of evening I am about to step out to here on election night in Denver. Um, 
uh, our protest mom here in Colorado, Coach MK, is a, is a fan of saying that she likes to elect the person she's going to protest. Um, and, and you had a really wonderful twist on that that I really liked where, where it's time for us to vote for the next fight. And so I, I just want to hear, if, if you don't mind taking a minute here before we say goodbye, um, talk about your decision in, in, in not settling for Biden, but casting a ballot for Biden in this turn and, and where you're hoping to go for the next fight. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question. I have a phrase that I like to use. Uh, the hope is in the fight. And, and the hope is in having fights to fight. And as long as we're fighting, as long as we're breathing, as long as there is a fight to be fought, there's hope. L look, Ed, voting for Joe Biden isn't a difficult decision for me. I, I like Joe Biden. I don't like his policies, but he's a good man. And, and good men can be swayed the right way. And, and good men can be led to the right policies. And he, he listens and he's empathetic and he has the makings of being a, a, a transformational president. I don't think he will be. I think he's a little too old for that. But transformational presidencies don't always just last with one person in one administration. You look at FDR and you look at the, the FDR Democrats that came after him, right? They weren't perfect. The policies weren't great. There were a lot of problems with those policies, but they provided a framework for things to get better. It provided the opportunity for change to come. And like I said, we're voting for the next fight. What do you want the next fight to be? Where do you want your hope to be? What do you hope happens after today? And whatever that is, we've, we've got a better chance of it with Joe Biden than we do with Donald Trump. And if Donald Trump does win, there's not, it's not hopeless if Donald Trump does win. I mean, it's not fun and we're not going to enjoy it we're going to be pretty angry about it. And we might feel a certain way about it. Like we might not want to be here. Some people might even want to leave the country and, you know, more power to them. But as long as I'm living and breathing, I'm an American and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to fight for my country because look, my family came here in 1622 down in brains in Braintree, Massachusetts. I've been, my family's been here since the beginning. This is as much my country as it is the, the Somali refugee kids that I coach here in Minnesota. It's as much my country as it is theirs. And, it's, and, and I think about that, you know, I'm about to become an uncle for the first time. My, my brother's wife is pregnant. And I think about that kid. And I think about my kid. And I think about the, the fights that I hope that they get to fight, that I won't get to fight because we're, I'm fighting this fight. And, and there's hope in that. There's endless hope in that. Joy in that. There's peace in that. We're hopeless today. Even if today is a bleak day, and I don't think it will be. I, I think, you know, recording this on a Tuesday, I think we're going to go to bed tonight knowing who the next president's going to be. I think we're going to go to bed, wake up tomorrow morning, and I think we're going to be happy, and we're going to be full of joy and hope, and we're going to celebrate. But the joy and the hope is in the fight, and the fight doesn't end today. The fight doesn't end today. It can't end today. If we want to have hope for the next fight and the next fight and the next, there has to be hope after hope after hope. And we can't stop dreaming. We can't stop dreaming about what tomorrow brings. And tomorrow for me brings a Joe Biden presidency. And while that's a minor step for a lot of people and it's not nearly enough, it's enough for tomorrow. And what is enough for, for Thursday is Thursday. And we'll figure out what enough means, but we're going to do that together. And as long as we're hopeful, that's 
that's where that ends. You're exactly right. And now all of our listeners, Vince and everyone everywhere, know why I follow you on Twitter, why we have so many common statements with one another, and why you, I fully believe, are going to be a very huge part of electing an army of progressives. Where do where do people uh, siphon a little bit of your hope, a little bit of your energy from? Where where do we follow you on Twitter? Where do we read you? Uh, what's going to be the uh, the URL for your eventual campaign website? What do you think? <laughs> Look, my 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 Twitter page is at Sweet Kin Music. Uh, that's just like Sweet Chin Music with uh, the Heartbreak Kid, Sean Michaels, but it's Kane because it's my last name. Um, and and if you're looking for hope, hope is a choice. It's it's a choice we make to be optimistic. Uh, I don't. I, I don't mean to, to grandstand one more time, but we, we make the choice to be hopeful and to find find the places that we can we can be optimistic. We have to make that decision. It's how you live a happy life. And to be honest, I've been angry and sad for too long not to be hopeful. If you go and, and, and you want to follow me on Twitter, absolutely. Uh, find me on Medium. Uh, I'm, I'm at Ryan Nelson Kane uh, on Medium. I, I'll post a lot of things about my journey, what I think that, that we need to do as progressives. I'll post a lot of things about issues and candidates. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping within the next, hopefully, 10 years, I can convince my wife to let me run. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a long shot right now. If you're running a campaign and you want someone who can help with messaging, I'm more than more than willing to help. If you are if you need someone who can help write speeches, I've got 15 years writing speeches. So that's, I'm, I'm here and I'm willing to join the fight with you. Uh, as long as we can sit down and have a conversation and we can be on the same level, as long as we can treat everybody equally and fairly. I'm with you. This is our what? fight and we're going to fight it together and we fight it with hope. That's right. Why don't you shout out the article that you wrote for me on where Democrats head after winning this election? Oh, sure. I think it's called the path forward for progressives. It's on my medium page. You can just go take a look at all the articles that I've written. I wrote it about a month ago. Uh, I've written three since then, including one as a letter to my father uh, about my, my thoughts on the effects of conservative media on, on people. Um, and it's, it's, I think as well as my journey, it's, it's pinned to my Twitter page right now. So if you're, if you're going to visit it, you'll see it. Uh, my journey from being a, a Republican conservative to being a progressive and what that means. Uh, and if you wanted to share that with other Republicans, you know, my, my, as much as Vince's passion is, you know, bike lanes, mine is convincing Republicans that they're wrong. So <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm all in for that fight. You know, I, whatever, whatever fight that anybody wants to get in, I'm here for it. I'm 100% there to, to help tell Republicans that they are wrong. Uh, bike lanes are just a gateway to, to, uh, to get there. Somebody out there, hire this man immediately. Get into his Twitter DMs, get into him while you still can, because I feel so good about life right now that I, I almost I want to I want to keep talking all night. But unfortunately, we have a campaign ad that we are supposed to be playing for you. Ryan, this was so much fun. Thank you for joining Aaron and me on the show. I'm voting for you. I know you're running. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. Y'all have a great night. It's the one, two, three, the vote in absentee. We count every vote in our democracy. Be patient. Be patient. With more absentee ballots coming our way, we won't know election results for at least a few days. Be patient.
Okay, so I talk about hope in a super cheesy way, but I, I always blame it for, you know, me being an Obama Democrat originally on hope. But now that I've heard somebody who was a conservative Republican and then did the baby steps through libertarianism through Obama's eight years, uh, talk so beautifully about hope. I, I, I actually, I don't think it's cheesy anymore. I think it's super real right now. Aaron, how are, how are you feeling after talking to Ryan? Ryan always has me feeling better, <laughs> no matter what the situation. Um, I, I can't say how much hope it gives me to have someone whose original philosophies were so different from where I was and now we're in the same place um, and and it's all because we want the same things there were just labels that's that's the only thing that was missing we were labeled one way or labeled another and in reality everybody populism is popular thank you Elizabeth Warren for saying that you know, Asada Shakur in her autobiography talks for a little bit about um, about how her own internalized fear of labels and and how it stopped her from being engaged in different politics early on in, in, in her life before she joined the Black Panther Party. And and it's you know it's very true. We we have to stop being scared of words that we can't define without the help of a website. Um, the work is not done yet, though. No matter how hopeful we feel. And that's the other half of what Ryan was saying. Hope is in the fight, and the finish line is not November 3rd. That is but a starting line, and we are doubling down to this fight. Um, one thing we have to concentrate on doing before we get back into the legislative process is, is putting a bow on Election Day. Um, and Aaron, you have some tips for our listeners on any shenanigans and what to do about them that they might have seen, they might have heard while they were casting their ballot. Yes, I'm glad that you brought that up. These things are happening as we speak. Uh, several voters that I was texting today said that they were being shoved out of line by Trump supporters. Um, that That's not okay. I don't care who did it. It's wrong. And what you need to do is report it to at CSAY2020. I would also report that to the ACLU. Why? Because they're interfering with your American constitutionally protected right to vote. That is called uh, voter intimidation. And honestly, in the times of COVID, it's, it's flat out assault. So make sure that you're reporting those things. Again, CSAY2020. See it, S-E-E, -E, say it. S-A-Y 2020. Yes, the voter suppression that was seen yesterday, uh, today, while we're recording this, uh, across the country, and, and just some of the tactics that were that are, that are going around are absolutely uh, pretty deplorable. Um, I'm 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 proud to say that I ran into some of my friends from Denver's chapter of the Wall of Moms, who were poll watching at a, at, at a couple of different uh, ballot locations around the city while I was doing my 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 you know running around the city checking on all the polling places, and and they were across the board had not seen any shenanigans but the fact that we're out and we're ready for them and we're expecting them and we know how to report them is an important important step because we have to make sure that every ballot is cast and then every ballot is counted that's the other half of all of this and that count every vote yes and that is a perfect segue into something that ryan had stated that is going to be happening um 
there are going to be legal challenges. I don't know where they're going to occur, and neither do you, but it's happening. And to Ryan's point, let's not just give up. Let's not just roll over. Um, And I'm really happy to say that we do have people that you can make small dollar donations, or if you're feeling rather flush, you can make a larger donation uh, to help back up these legal fights that we're going to be looking at. Right, Vince? Absolutely. Um, small dollar donations c- should go to um, uh, uh, Fair Fight 2020, Stacey Abrams organization. Uh, shout out to the world that we are all waking up in where Georgia has gone fully blue. Um, I'm that, that is one place I'm going to give myself hopes and make a prediction. I do think that we are going to manage to pull off uh, a flip in Georgia, and it is 100,000% in all, all due to Stacey Abrams and the incredible work of all of her organizations from the second that she started getting to work for politics in that state. If it wasn't for her, and you know, there's countless others supporting her, but she definitely led the way. Thank you, Georgia. You are blue. And thank you, Aaron, who made tireless and endless phone calls to that lovely state. <laughs> I love Georgia, and I'm going to go even further. It's not just going to be blue Georgia. It's going to be the deep Blue South. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about South Carolina. We're talking about Georgia. And yes, we are taking Texas. Brad Bogus, uh, a personal friend of mine and just a brilliant cannabis voice. I know that you're out there. I know that you are listening to this show. I am going to double down on what Aaron just said because I know you are not a believer as a lifelong Texan. We're taking Texas. This is going to happen. He has insisted to me for years that it is a fool's game for Democrats to get distracted by Texas. But You know what? Thank you, Julian Castro. Thank you, everybody, for fighting down there, because we might be waking up in a blue Texas today as well. How dope would that be? (laughs) Absolutely right. And I want to give a shout out to AOC yesterday. I just have to bring this up, you guys. Talk about bringing the fight. So Shell Motor Oil Company tweeted out, what are you going to do to make sure that climate change stops in its tracks? And AOC retweeted, now now forgive me, it may not be the exact wording, but boy, the fire's there. I'm going to hold you accountable for the 30 years of lies that you told the American people about how climate change doesn't exist. Thank you, AOC. Absolutely. Thank you, AOC. That is why we need an army of progressives in power, because when we put our people in a position to be able to make those kinds of decisions, we will win. And we've done the work. This has been so much work. Election Day was not a finish line. It was a starting line, but it doesn't have to be an immediate starting pistol. Let's all check in real quick this week's accountability check on ways that we're going to take a mental break. We have a big uphill fight to go. Like Ryan was saying, there are so many issues that we now have to put in front of the Biden-Harris administration when we finally get them inaugurated. We deserve a second to breathe while the right lose their mind over this. Aaron, what are you going to do? I'm holding you accountable to this. To take a day off. Heck yeah. I am finishing up my texting replies because I love all of the voters and I don't want to neglect them as soon as we say goodbye on our show. 
But <laughs> after that, I have promised my small eight-year-old son, who has just been amazing, not just patient, not just kind, but actually really active. Like, he is explaining to his friends on Zoom what the Senate race means and why it's so important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when he runs, I'll definitely have his back, too. <laughs> yes. So he deserves, and I've told him this, a day of activities, no matter what day it is. We'll be doing something fun. You can count on that. I love it. My my day off is going to be the exact same thing. My three year old and I, uh, she's been asking for it for weeks, and I and we just haven't been able to make the uh, the several hours drive west. Um, plus, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but we should be able to do it when it gets colder and there's less people out. We're gonna go skate at our favorite skate park out in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, most people go there to ski, but they don't know that it's got one of the most beautiful places to ride a skateboard too. Um, I won't name it just to keep it to myself. Uh, but I am so looking forward to spending a few hours with my phone in the car uh, and me not caring whether or not it's ringing uh, and, and my daughter at a skate park. I cannot wait. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. That You guys, you both deserve it. She's a doll. I've seen her, and she is going to be every bit the fighting, engaged person that you are, Vince. You're, you're a good dad. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, our listeners can watch me be a good dad uh, on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Vinny Chant on both of those places. Uh, I do uh, very regularly share photos of my daughter, even though people keep yelling at me about Operation Security to stop doing that. Um, she's too amazing, and and I can't and I can't keep her all to myself. So. Come hang out with me on Twitter. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Vinnie Chant. Uh, and then I'm also at Producer Vince on Facebook because I'm one of those horrible liberals who still has a Facebook. <laughs> it's not horrible if that's the only medium that there is out there. But here's to a possible future of non-Facebook ways to get your business out there. Very true. The day that I am not a social media manager anymore, my Facebook will absolutely be uh, be out the window. Our show does not have a Facebook. Our show does not have an Instagram. We are not putting a plan for that near anywhere near Zuckerberg's machine. But it does have a Twitter. Uh, please, for everything that is that it, you know, please go follow us on Twitter at Plan for That Pod. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to us wherever you are listening to us right now. Uh, text the direct URL of this show's episode to three of your friends who you think could use a little bit of Ryan's message of hope today because that is how our show is going to get around after you've texted it review it wherever you're listening to it because reviews help us we need your help to build this plan to build this army of progressives and we're not going to be able to do it without you so follow uh, review subscribe share and most importantly stay in touch with Aaron on Twitter because she has probably the best account on that entire stupid website Aaron where are people following you <laughs> well I don't know about the best account but it's certainly the loudest <laughs> talk about the next fight um, so <laughs> because we've won because everything is going to be okay for democracy we're able to push ahead and hold them all accountable that's my next fight and you can see that on at wellness for you 13 and you know what it fits this time because I can't think of anything better than to see criminals pay for the crimes that they committed that will bring inner peace and sanctuary to my soul <laughs> 
Me neither. And you'll be able to hear about it every week right here on the show. A plan for that because you have already smashed that subscribe button. You have sent it not only to three friends, but to five friends. And you've also tweeted it, shared it, tagged us in all of your posts so that we can see it and go, oh my God, people are actually listening to this. Can you believe that? Um, Holy shit, everybody. It's election day. It's after election day by the time you're hearing this. We made it. Thank you. Yay! Here's what's coming up next. Make sure to hold them all accountable. And by doing that, we mean electing people for district attorney. That's right. We're talking about Eliza Orleans in Manhattan DA's race. That's going to be something that comes up for us. And Vince and I couldn't be more excited. We'll see you there. Building an army of progressives next week and every week right here. Forward March! Forward March!